The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. The marquee might be a little light, and that is when the unexpected can happen. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, October 27th. Reese Davis, Stanford Steve with you. Pete Thamel has the day off, but I will assure you of this. Pete is still in this uh, picks competition. We trust his integrity to the utmost. He will send in his picks prior to the first kickoff of the game on Saturday, and they will count in the standings. However, if Pete has an excellent day, uh, Steve and I will decide how much he has to be penalized for not actually making the picks uh, when we do here. Steve, how, how are you doing? You you had a solid 500 week while Pete and I scuffled with two and six calls. How, how did things go on the fridge for college uh, game day last week? I'll just let you know, Reese. Uh, three of the games appeared in bad beats. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> three. It was one of those. Those three of those. Yeah. Oh. Um, that's Illinois, you, were you at least one in three? You weren't 0-3-1. Yeah, right? yeah. We stayed up till the wee hours to make sure UCLA got home against Stanford. <laughs> but, I mean, Illinois up 21-7, getting three, uh, loses. And, and throws a touchdown pass to an offensive lineman. Yeah, uh, yeah. To, throw, oh, to, oh, yeah. It's all did. it's all in the old bad beat from Monday <laughs> night. Scott had some fun with that. And yeah. what was our god-awful other pick? It was... Trying to remember what was on uh, Illinois Army did not have a chance. You no Army like, never had a chance. That was not oh, a bad beat. That was just a beat. You see how I lost Superdog? Wait, who was your Superdog? Navy down. Oh, I, I I did. It was uh, ten and a half. It was ten and a half, right? And they lost yes, by eleven. Yes. Two point conversion attempt. Why? Why? <laughs> what are we doing? Oh, just. There, <laughs> Horrendous. What, what did uh we we had a this will be the first mention of legendary sports center producer Rob Gajaro. Um and way back in the day when I would do the late sports center in the summer, in the middle uh-huh. of baseball season, um, you know, sometimes if a West Coast game, you know, went into extra innings, um, you had to wait until the end so that yep. you get the score on and, and be able to tape it for the morning re-airs back when they did the continuous morning re-airs. And Robbie G, <laughs> you'd, you'd get this uh, in your ear on top back and he would go, the Dodgers have been put on this earth to screw me. Right, you know, it's sort of. Oh, like, I know. It's sort of like the two-point conversion. The fridge games have been put on this earth to vex you for some I, reason. This it, year. it, yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, doing pretty well on the on the podcast here, but doing only, great. Yeah, only people uh, want to know about the fridge. I, I will add to that light, knowing that we are still in those summer hours of late Sports Center with baseball, and as much as I hate it, and people hate it. The ghost man on second is, has helped the late sports center a lot for those <laughs> baseball games. No more 20 inning games. It has been, you know, everybody hates it, but there's a thing in the back of my mind like, all right, well, it's going to help us, I think, get out of here sooner knowing we got to be here till the end of the game. So, uh, yeah, a little inside sport. That's funny. I uh, Everybody has their feelings about late night baseball. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I don't I. I'm not sure how I feel about that. The uh, the independent 
uh, league, independent professional league that my son Christopher played in this year. They had, they have an even more expeditious way of games that go into extra innings because, you know, they, uh, they're trying to be the USPBO and United Shore Professional Baseball League wants to be family friendly. So they, you know, want to play in a, a mm. finite period of time. So when they go to extra innings, they meet at home plate and there's a coin toss. And if you win the coin toss, you get to choose whether to go on offense or defense. You have a runner on first. If you choose oh. to go on defense with a runner on first and you keep that run from scoring, you win. If you wow. go on offense, if you score the run, you win. And, oh. um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, di- it's sort of a, a different twist on, on the uh, ghost man on second. Or what are the, what <laughs> or are the what analytics if, say on that of what people choose more? It is, it, it sort of depends, but the analytics slightly favor going on defense. I wow. Think. That's um, fascinating. And, and you know what the other thing, the other thing is, you know what um, I think, and don't hold me to this in a court of law, Steve, but I believe because everybody immediately starts yelling bunt, bunt, bunt. Yeah. Right? Your win expectancy actually diminishes slightly if you bunt the runner to second and yep. they record the out. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, the old school people want to bunt them into scoring position, but sometimes you're better to uh, to hit a double. It's like, I'll, yeah, because I, I would think the numbers treat that as you're trailing too, because you have to yeah. score to win. Yeah. And that, that's, that's in a whole tier. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, like Christopher's coach it and I, this is the last son baseball story i'll, I'll give no, here we want more. his uh his uh his coach at princeton scott bradley who played uh you know played forever in the big leagues and caught yeah. randy johnson's first no hitter he actually scooter actually hit the ball that um that bo jackson threw out throughout harold reynolds i think at the plate with i think scooter hit that ball and but it, at any rate uh, when they would talk about you know doing things like uh, like taking one for the team and getting hit by pitches, Scoot would say, "Yeah, I like guys that get out of the way and then hit a double." You know? <laughs> so, you know, so sometimes, sometimes a of, lot more problems yeah, instead of a bunny a guy over. <laughs> let's just hit a double. Okay, so so let's uh, let's hit some doubles here with some picks. Yeah, uh, we will we will add Pete's picks in. And you can, they'll be hermetically sealed in a mayonnaise jar in uh, Itumwa, Iowa, or someplace, and then revealed next week and entered into record. But uh, let's start with this. Weekend preview is brought to you by Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Psst, the secret to winning game days this college football season is Eckridge Smoked Sausage. Visit Eckridge.com for dozens of simple, mouth watering recipes to elevate your next tailgate. Taylor, call out the games and let's uh, let's make some picks. You got it. It's the race for the ribeye. The stakes are stakes week nine for last week. Reese, you mentioned it briefly. Uh, Steve went four and four. Reese, you and Pete went two and six. Steve, eight <laughs> oh, games over 500. Reese, three uh. games under 500. Pete will be nice to him today. We won't even mention where he's at in the standings, but there you go. Hey, uh, let's, uh, yeah. Taylor, let's do this. Uh, Steve mentioned in passing a minute ago that he's doing pretty well here as opposed to the fridge, which has been been vexing him. I will say this, Steve, if you're you're doing pretty well, but 
you do fall into the Paul Feinbaum category if you're competing against Pete and me. And uh, <laughs> Steve ain't picked against nobody, Paul. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> against who? Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, Taylor. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Let's go to the games here. Oklahoma, a 10-point favorite on the road at Kansas. That game kicks off at noon. Let's go Reese and then Steve. Uh, Steve, this, uh, you know, Oklahoma – you know, it was a big favorite at home against UCF last mm-hmm. week. Didn't cover it, almost messed around and got beaten. Uh, yeah. uh, Desmond Howard texted me last night, uh, just really late, and said, what did you say to Gus Malzahn at the end that made him grin? And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't remember. So I, I pulled up the... I pulled up the video of the show and what I said on the way out that made Gus sort of grin slyly that we didn't pick up on at the time, I guess, even though we acknowledged the grin. He's had a lot of success. I said he's had a lot of upsets and he almost had another one. So I feel a little bit like you're chasing or overreacting if you go against Oklahoma in this spot. Jalen Daniels, it appears not ready. Although mm-hmm. you know that's been that's been dicey for a while. They'll go back to um, uh, to Jason Bean, who's he's played a lot of ball and he's yeah. he can be a really effective player. I I do look. I think Oklahoma will probably get out of there with the win, mm-hmm. but I think Kansas is is pretty good. Um, and some struggles defensively. I think they're going to be able to keep up. I'm going to take the Jayhawks and the 10 points with the, with the chance with the early start upset. Uh, but I'm not willing to lay the 10 with Oklahoma, even though I am a little worried that I'm chasing, you know, chasing the vibe and the, uh, where they're headed after that near miss against UCF last week. Yeah, Kansas off a bye, too. I do like also uh, Reese. The last time out, they lost. To that upstart Oklahoma State team, that seems like they found something offensively. Uh, it's amazing. Gundy finds offense. The guy is incredible. Uh, keep doubting him. But anyway, I look at what Kansas did to that UCF team. I get it. They weren't at full strength. But that was probably their best game of the year. They put up a 50-burger, beat them by, by 29. And when I look at Kansas, the reason I saw – I thought there would be regression this year is that defense, that defensive line, not creating sacks, not creating negative plays. They're coming in only allowing 396 yards. Now, this is a whole different animal, but they've been an upstart group and at home early kick. uh, You saw what UCF did that Oklahoma too, I think is in, was in the middle of a two week hangover, beating their mm. rival and and coming out as a as a seventeen point favorite. So I agree with you. I'm gonna take the points with Kansas at home. I totally think Oklahoma wins the game, but I think double digits, that's too many points for for Leipold off a of bye, knowing the capability of that team. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll stay in the Big 12 here. BYU mm. headed to Austin, Texas, a 17.5-point favor, but no Quinn Ewers. Interesting game here. Let's go Steve and then Reese. Yeah, a lot of history, too. Uh, fun stuff, depending on what side you're on in this game. Uh, BYU having some success. They were the answer to the Aflac trivia question. We were at the Red River. Is who's one of the two a uh, couple teams that has a winning record against Texas and Oklahoma? Uh, so BYU is not going to be intimidated. I really am excited to see Malik Murphy. Uh, I, I thought Sark, the way he went about this whole arch hype during going back to spring ball, because when you look at it, he had yours a lot of questions. Malik was the star of the spring game, and then you had the aura or arch, and Sark put his foot in the ground and said, Quinn's the, Quinn's the guy, this is Quinn's team. Now you look at the setup, Malik's the guy, Arch will be ready, he said. Arch will have everything on his plate, and when you look at it, if Malik struggles, now what kind of position is Sark in knowing the pressure that people want to see Arch? I trust Sark in this situation. BYU has just been a thorn in my side. I totally uh, forgot about them last week. B- you know, being back at home, Lubbock not really familiar with what Provo's all about, and they 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 were the right side. Uh, BYU, so sh- uh, shout out to them getting getting there. But I- I'll take BYU plus a lot of points. I think there's a lot of feeling out process now. I will not be surprised at all if you see Malik look incredible Sark now knowing what he has as good as there is as a schemer play caller now with Malik and knowing his, his abilities that he has more athletic ability than Quinn Ewers. This could be exciting uh, if, if you're Texas. So I think they handle business, but I'll take the 17 and a half. It's a lot of points and the logic tells me to take BYU with the new quarterback. But mm-hmm. if you watch Texas spring game, uh, with Malik Murphy. And even with, uh, you know, I had someone tell me the other day, hey, you know, they've rotated or not pure rotation, but evaluated weekly who the backup to Quinn Ewers is. And some weeks it's been Arch Manning as opposed to Malik. So what are they going to do at, at quarterback? There's been a lot of positive buzz, as you alluded to, about Malik Murphy. And there was some evidence of it in that in that spring game in which they played. Mm-hmm. There's the Sark alma mater angle. There's the mm-hmm. angle that you mentioned that, I mean, it's sort of astonishing that Texas uh, is one in four against BYU. That's the worst record against any team they've played at least five times. There's the Manny Diaz story when Taysom Hill personally ran for one million oh. yards in oh. a single game against Texas and basically got Manny fired on the way back to the airport by, by Mac Brown less than 24 hours after the game. They literally gave up 550 yards rushing. Uh, to them in that game. All that's old history, but it the reason history matters is that somehow, some way, in inexplicable ways, it can create confidence, you know, when you yep. play. BYU is not afraid of anybody. Um, 
I think Murphy's going to play well. If this were just a little bit smaller, just mm-hmm. a little bit smaller, I'd take Texas to cover it. But I'm I'm going to take BYU in the points and not I'm, – I'm, I think you and I are in lockstep here. Yeah. I'm taking BYU because the number is just so big and there mm-hmm. is – you haven't seen Murphy play. Oh, man. I suspect he's going to be terrific. Yeah. It's too much for me to take, and it's going to be one of those that Thamel talks about all the time. When it's twenty-one to nothing in the you know in the first <laughs> quarter, and he's thrown two touchdown passes and got out the gate on a scramble, you're gonna go, "What was I thinking?" But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take BYU in the points. Texas defense has to play better than they did last week too, and 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 Malik picked apart uh, has been picked apart because of his effort last week. But that's a brutal situation going yeah. into that kind of environment. You know, yeah. little brothers, you know syndrome and 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 the defense on you know up 21 nothing that whole thing so i do but, I, I don't feel great about it but i will take the points uh, hey, hey by the by the way brutal spot oh. just a brutal spot on that third down play for houston and when they stop the game yeah. every two seconds mm-hmm. for this that or the other um uh, how that how they didn't i mean i know they review every play but how how that wasn't evaluated or explained sort of uh, sort of is mind-boggling. Now, who knows? Maybe Houston doesn't score or anyway. Yeah. But I did not think watching that game. I was shocked that first. I was shocked they didn't just call it a first down. Yeah, on the that, field. That, that, yeah, and, exactly. and then when they didn't, that I would was solve like, everything. Are they going to look at this again? And and they didn't. But I'm not a big fan of looking at at spots anyway, no. unless it's really egregious. So you know, call it on the field. But anyway, a lot of things went against Houston late. Went in Texas favor, but I, I'm I'm going to go BYU and not be at all surprised when I'm uh, uh, when the final score is you know 45 to 14 or something. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party has Georgia a 14 and a half point favorite in Jacksonville against Florida. That kicks off at its standard 3:30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's hear from Reese and then Steve. 24 in a row for the Dogs. They won 17 straight against opponents within their division. Their last loss was to the Gators in 2020. Uh, And then with the Brock Bauer story being out and Carson Beck coming back to Duval, the Jacksonville kid who we'll hear from on College Game Day Saturday. Um, And Florida might be improving a little bit here. Um, You know, Beck at one time, I I learned this this week. I knew he was a highly recruited guy. He at one time was a Florida commit in baseball. He was uh, committed to them as a baseball pitcher, flipped to Georgia. You know, I think he also might have been committed to Alabama as a football player at some point in there, too. Um, I think I think this guy's really improving. I think Georgia having the week off is 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 big. This this game historically is weird because you have a pretty rich history of one side spoiling things for the other, you know, Mm -hmm. knocking them out of stuff, dating all the way back. One of the reasons that Spurrier had the contempt that he had for Georgia was that in his Heisman trophy winning season, they were undefeated until they lost to Georgia. Mm -hmm. Uh, 10 years later, Florida, which, you know, people, people of a certain age don't realize that Florida uh, was nothing until Spurrier got there. They were the they were the sleeping giant that no one could ever awaken. But in '76, they had a chance to win their first ever SEC championship, and Georgia beat them. 
They had a, a infamous fourth and dumb call, they called it. They had a lead, and they went for it on fourth and one in their own 29. They ended up getting beat. 85, Florida, number one, first time in school history. Dogs destroyed them. Uh, you know, And it's gone both ways over the years. This is like the perfect spot for Florida to do this to Georgia. And I just don't believe it. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to take the dogs and lay the points even without Brock Bowers. A couple things here. When you look at Georgia, I thought you see as much as Kirby wants to play and find the motivation, you saw the confidence where it was, hey Brock, go take care of this, get the surgery. We we got the dogs to to handle this situation, whether it's three weeks, whether it's four. This this tightrope thing is different for everybody, and everybody goes back to Tua and how fast he came back. He's a quarterback. This guy is the best player possibly in the sport, and he needs to be 100%. So I thought that was interesting. But when I look at this stretch for Georgia, Reese, it's tougher than I, I believe people mm-hmm. are making it out to be. They got Florida, you get Missouri coming in, and you get Ole Miss coming in. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Georgia, obviously – the defense isn't what it has been, and it's not fair to compare this group to groups of past, knowing the NFL guys that they've had. So I am in a, in a mindset here with this stretch that they're not going to cover all these games. Mm-hmm. And then when I look at this game specifically, I'm, I'm trying to be simple about it. I look at what Georgia did with Bowers at Auburn. I get it. Jordan Hare. Phenomenal setup. That place was spectacular that day. Auburn's in the lead, second half lead, or you know, second half lead in the game the whole time. I firmly believe Florida's a better football team. I firmly believe that staff knows what's at stake and they will be fully prepared. Will they hold up for 60 defensively? That's the question, but I believe they do. And I'm not overthinking this. I'm taking the 14 and a half with a capable Florida team. You know, I sort of switch back and forth. You know what I can't get out of my head? Because my initial instinct, Steve, was to take Florida. I can't get Ray Davis running wild out of my head. And I know Georgia hasn't run the ball yeah. um, the way you might have expected, but they they might. We're going to see if they get uh, Amarius Mims back on the offensive line, who's also, I think, coming off the uh, the tightrope surgery. Yeah. They've got a, a tight end. Um, you know, Lawson Lucky, who had oh, tightrope surgery, been, who's coming back. Waiting to see him. Yeah, so it's uh, I, I but the at the end of the day, the thing I can't get out of my mind is Kentucky just running on, them. and yeah. you know, so that's why that's why I can't trust the Gators yet. But I do, I do suspect like you that they are improved, and this is this isn't all hands on deck because don't forget one other little thing here. We're talking about this stretch for Georgia. If Florida wins this game. They've got the head-to-head tiebreaker yes. for the trip to the SEC championship game on their side because they only have one conference loss that and, lost to Kentucky. So. And the same thing for Missouri next week if right. they were to do it, right? Exactly. So yeah. no, it's 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 not a it's not one of these gauntlets, but I think we're gonna find out a lot about Georgia and Michigan keeps, you know, stacking more votes than they have the week previous. I, there's, It's all coming together, just like we thought it would. We just had to wait a little bit longer than normal season, which is fine. We, we like that, mm-hmm. having more teams in the mix. But, yeah, this is this is a fun three-week stretch here. Uh, I should say I can't include the, the uh, trip to Knoxville because you know that'll be bonkers no matter what their record is. Um, so, yeah, this is, this, is, this is fun. This is really fun and uh, should be a good one. Game day in the house for this one in Salt Lake City. 
Oregon, a seven point favorite on the road against Utah in a battle of one loss. Pac 12 teams got to win this one if you want to keep pace with the Huskies. Let's go, Steve, and then Reese for this one. You know, Reese, I'm looking at this, obviously, there's been some wild games uh, in this. You have the, the knocking out of the ball, um, you know, late uh, in Salt Lake City uh, that, that cost the game. Uh, we've seen Utah go to Oregon and win. Uh, last year, I, Bo, Bo Nix showed me a ton, not being 100% and, and gutting out that win against Utah. And I could be a different feeling after I get in, um, you know, in the, into the table and watching uh, the, Oregon more defensively because when I look at the matchup, uh, you watch Utah's offense last week and all credit to them, you know, not, not, now that it's settled. And and they have their quarterback. The, the 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 defense in Southern California just didn't want any part of lining up constantly. And Oregon's not going to be that. Oregon is going to bring it. You see it with the mentality of their head coach. We saw what they look like in a brutal environment in Seattle. So I expect Oregon to play really well. I just a touchdown's a lot. You know Utah's going to have some intangibles. Uh, the Bucky Irving thing. I thought landing got away with saying he came in for a secure win, kneel down, um, and that he'll be he'll be good to go, but anybody could do that. Um, you know, if you're just gonna be standing there as a safety back on that play. So I am leaning Oregon right now. Uh so I will take the minus seven. I, I could easily be flipped by this by the time this game kicks off and we're on the sidelines. Okay. So you're taking you're taking, taking Oregon, Oregon and laying the points. Seven. Yes okay. I am um I'm done doubting Utah. I I think Oregon's the better team, and I think they're going to win the game. But I'm I'm not totally convinced of it. And when you're in that situation uh, with a team that is as ill-tempered in a good way as Utah is, yep. and you're giving me a touchdown in that place with that team with that coach, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm going to take Utah in the points. I my Instinct is that Oregon is going to pull out a close game because I still believe Oregon is good enough and capable of winning the national championship. They'll have to lose again before I back off that assertion. But they they better come ready for a fight. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean come ready for a game. They better come ready for a fight because they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this will be one of the most physical uh, toughest games of the season. Oregon plays with a swagger and an edge, and Utah plays with a nasty, quiet confidence. This is this is a football game for football people, and I I'm going to take Utah at home in the points. I suspect Oregon finds a way, uh, largely on the strength of probably as much as I respect Bryson Barnes and the the pig farmer and the great run and all of all of this great stuff that's happened coming back and taking the job back mm. the edge at quarterback goes to oregon i think that's going to make the difference in the end uh bowman making his 55th start most in college football history uh, i'll take oregon to get the win but utah to get the cover i know it's going to be chilly when we go on the air saturday from salt lake city it mm-hmm. is wet it, it just it warms up for kickoff right it's not going to be you know, a, a brutally cold. I, I thought I saw like fifties um, for kickoff of this game. I'm not. I should yeah, do I'll, this on the spot. Weather? Well, I'm not a weather yeah, guy. I'll, but I'll, I'll look at it. I'll look at it right here. I think you're. I think you're right in that. Um, 
Okay, the high, well, you know what? The high on Saturday is going to be 44, but it's oh. not as if, you know, Oregon comes from Los Angeles. So, exactly. You know, they, no, yeah, they I, I just, okay with that. I didn't know yeah. if it was, ex- you know, extremely cold. So that's yeah, Vesta pack, and pack Jacket the, for us, right? On the side. Yeah, pack the, pack the long johns. I, last <laughs> week I started with it. You, that is the mistake you make a lot of times. You get seduced into all of this nice, early fall weather and you forget that it flips on you fast so last yeah. week i popped it in my head okay okay from this point forward they at least go in the they at least go in the travel bag so they'll, they'll be in there and they and because i do not i'd much rather be hot than cold no doubt um i will be i, I will be in long johns for sure uh saturday morning in salt lake city Who had Duke and Louisville on their ACC bingo card for a meaningful game mm. here in late October? The uh, Blue Devils headed to Louisville. Louisville at four-point favorite. This kicks off at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go Reese and then Steve. You know, if not for Louisville's face plant against Pittsburgh, I think it's highly likely that college game day would have been in Louisville because they, they would have been undefeated. <laughs> They've been chomping at the bit. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, but I mean, you yeah. know, if you if hey, you, you got to take care you, of business, if you're not good enough, a loss will there find you. you. Go. And I do not mean that Louisville's not good. Just no. uh, you know, saying, well, they should win this game because they're slightly better than this team in their schedule. They miss this team and this team, and they're going to go undefeated. That's that's the whole concept of if you're not good enough, a loss will find you. Uh, Louisville has you know four point favorite there against a Duke team coming off a really. Uh, tough loss at Florida State in which they fought their guts out. Riley Leonard, uh, again, fought his tail off. You know, that ankle obviously is is still an issue uh, there for them. The one thing about this is Duke in that exceptional, excellent, fast pass defense. Uh, they don't have a ton of interceptions, sort of middle of the pack. They've got mm-hmm. six of them. Do have more touchdown or more interceptions than touchdown passes allowed. And Louisville has has been benevolent in throwing interceptions. I think Plummer Plummer's thrown eight of them on the season. So I I really believe in Elko. I don't know. I don't have a great feel for outright winning this game. But if you're going to give me maybe, uh, you know, I don't know Leonard's status off the top of my head. I assume That's... if he gave it a go against Florida State, he's going to give it a go here. Um. You're giving me four with that defense and maybe with him. I'm, I'm going to take Duke in the points. Okay. I, I worry about this situation with Duke and Riley Leonard because you easily get talked into the moment, and especially mm-hmm. when you're up 20-17 to 17 in Tallahassee and your best player, your most valuable player, is not 100%, and you've gotten to that point, and he just couldn't do it. And I mm-hmm. worry with those high ankles if it's a setback because when you look back at how they handled it, I get it. You're in the moment in Tallahassee. You think you can win every game with this team and the confidence they have in that locker room. But now, did you set it back where now you're not going to have them for a more winnable game? That That's the the worry I have here uh, for Duke. It, di- it didn't look great when he was walking off. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things are tricky. And again, for him to be effective, he needs to be uh, at least 90%, uh, knowing how capable he is running the football. So I don't love it. Um, I thought it was interesting. Elko, uh, Scott and I played the sound on the show last week. He talked about going to Tallahassee and being on that stage again. 
And that stage is primetime TV. You know, they had it against Notre Dame. We were there. And they responded. They played great. They couldn't hold it. And then last week was exactly what I thought. If that offense couldn't uh, be sustainable, the defense was going to be on the field too much. And that's a great defense. Great scheme. Great players. Uh, and Florida State just has more guys offensively. And they roll out and shut them out in the fourth and and, and end up covering that game, which is also a, a rough beat if you had Duke getting all those points. So I don't love it. You talked about the inconsistency, Louisville turning the ball over. That's not a recipe you want to play against Duke because they'll run, get, they'll take it from you and then keep the ball away from you running the football. So I don't love it. I'm just going to take the home team uh, with Louisville. I, the bias of seeing them and how they played against Notre Dame in prime time is, is what I, is the deciding factor for me. So mm -hmm. I expect Brom to have his guys ready to go. I'll take minus four with Louisville. Tennessee, a three and a half point favorite at Kentucky this weekend. That game kicks off at 7 PM Eastern time. Let's go Steve. And then we'll hear from Reese. Vulnerable Vols. The vulnerable Vols are on the road and I just don't like what I've seen from Tennessee. Uh, I haven't loved what I've seen from Kentucky either uh, in a spot where it felt like Stoops never loses that game to Missouri. You're at home, tight spread, uh, you know, comparative rosters, and, you know, a, a great special teams call ends up just, just catapulting uh, Missouri to that win, and you see what they do in the following week. Like, they got it cooking. Uh, but when I look at Kentucky and what they trust in in a night game in Lexington, I, I see a field goal game, so it's a three-and-a-half. Uh, again, I, that's why I didn't like Tennessee last week. I think that was actually a game we differed on. You thought Bama wins, Tennessee covers. I just thought Bama over 60 would take care of business, uh, and they ended up covering with the scooped score in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I, I look at Kentucky as a back against the wall. They're normally very good in this spot. Um, so I'm going to take the home team plus the points. Well, you were half right. Bama took care of business over the last 30. I mean, <laughs> that was a, that was the remarkable second half performance from Alabama against Tennessee. Um, this is where my historical bias comes into play. It's Tennessee against Kentucky. And Tennessee mm. always wins. I mean, Mark Stoops, they would build a statue to him simply because he's won two times in 10 games against the Vols, which is well above average historically. They've Tennessee's won like 35 of the last 38 meetings on average over the last, you know, half century, if not longer. Kentucky gets them once a decade. Um, but there are more tangible reasons here in which I favor Tennessee. Um, I, I just, I'm just not convinced that you're going to be able to run the ball consistently against Tennessee without the threat of hitting them with a big pass, which is what Alabama did and eventually loosened up uh, the running game to some degree and ran the quarterback, which is not something that you know Kentucky is necessarily strong at. They are strong in running, but maybe not with the quarterback too, and we haven't seen evidence of a big passing game yet. So, you know, Tennessee... I think we'll still be able to run the ball some, even against that uh, strong Kentucky defense. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to take Tennessee because I just I don't know that Kentucky has the necessary necessary weapons in the passing game to loosen it up enough for Ray Davis to uh, to get loose. This is a this is a strong on strong, good on good. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, Tennessee is uh, the best running team in the SEC, and Kentucky's second in the SEC in rush defense. So this is a this is a strong suit game. It's certainly one uh, that would elevate Kentucky's status both for bowls in the postseason and in perception, and could really put Tennessee in danger of taking a step back uh, after that great year last year. If Tennessee follows the loss in Tuscaloosa with a loss to Kentucky and with, um, with Georgia and Missouri, I believe still looming. Yep. They're, they're in danger of really taking a significant step back. So I'm going to say the big orange comes through. It's a tough, hard fought uh, physical game, but I'll, I'll take Tennessee in that one. Next up, we've got the uh, interconference divisional disparity bowl with uh, Ohio State, a 14 and a half point favorite, heading to Wisconsin. That kicks off at 7 30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go, Reese, and then Steve. Wisconsin feels as if it turned the corner. Uh, Luke Fickle felt that way after rallying against Illinois. But my question is why in the world are you in position after rally against Illinois? Mm. Um, it's a, it's a feel good moment for sure. And I know the Buckeyes are still figuring some things out uh, offensively outside of throw it to 18, which is, which should be the first line of the game plan should be throw it to 18. Am I in trouble? Throw it to 18. Uh, am I wanting to put the game away? Throw it to 18. Is he single covered? Throw it to 18. If he's, if he's double covered, well, does he have a half step? Throw it to 18, get the ball to him. Run some more him plays. When in doubt, throw the ball to him. Him being Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I just don't see Wisconsin scoring enough to stay within there. I'll, I'll take Ohio State and lay it pretty easily. One of the best atmospheres I've ever been at was number one Ohio State going to Madison on a Saturday night. J.J. Watts here. Uh, Terrell Pryor, a quarterback for Ohio State. And it was, like I said, as good as I've been to. And that's what I found interesting. I thought this would be a big noon game, but um, it's not. It's a night game. Uh, I agree with you. You talk to people around Wisconsin, it's crazy. They still are figuring things out. What personnel to play defensively? You know, which ways, you know, which, how do we want to go about defending things? And to see them not be able to do a thing offensively for the better part of the year and then score 15 points in the fourth quarter and come back and win on the road against their former coach. Uh, it was impressive. But you touched on it. That defense for Ohio State is the difference. They are lethal. I know James Franklin got crushed for saying those are both championship teams. Those are championship defenses, those two teams mm-hmm. that last mm-hmm. week that we were on the field. I mean, there are wait – till, wait till all those names are – Available for the draft, and you will see guys from that game on that side of the ball all over the place. Uh, so I, I think that's a that's a defense that will travel. They keep the pressure on you. Uh, Hall up front just continues to get better. He's the guy I questioned coming into the season. Uh, we knew about the edge guys, uh, but the secondary's rounding it for him. Uh, it you know obviously it's going to be a weekly thing with the Ohio State uh, offensive guys, the difference makers they have coming on you know with injuries. Uh, but McCord is, has played in a hostile environment. So, you know, pulled it together in South Bend when we were there. So it's tough. I hate giving double digits on the road, uh, but I'm going to do it with Ryan Day and that staff. I trust in him to to get some belief. And I think they found a lot last week. That That's a tough game 
Uh, and they've won some tough games, and we we know how much he feels about his team's toughness. So um, I'm gonna lay I'll lay the double digits with Ohio State. Next up, UNLV at Fresno State. Fresno State is seven and a half point favorite. This kicks off at 10:30 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go, Steve, and then Reese. I absolutely love what Barry Odom's done in a spot that, good lord, if we could somehow, I don't think there's a graphic big enough, Reese for the show to show how bad UNLV football has been mm-hmm. and to see them on this stage. And I get it. People aren't familiar with the mountain West and shit. I'm not even familiar with UNLV seeing them on top of this uh, for as long as they've been there this year. And it's awesome. It really is. Like you think about, you know, Oh, go to UNLV and win. It's a great place to play. You got an NFL stadium. It's, plenty of guys have, have come in and it's just not gone. Well, uh, well, when you you look up at this step up now, now you're playing the big name in your conference. Now we really see UNLV is a team that went to Michigan, and I don't think they got a first down until the third quarter earlier in the year. It's a different team now. Um, I don't know if they win the game, but I'll take UNLV plus the points. I, I agree with everything you said about Odom, and you referenced the Michigan game. That's the only game they've lost. Yeah. Uh, but uh, a man called Jose Pisano had to kick the ball through the upright six times. That, I mean, that's a, a McAfee dream gate. Uh, six field goals for Vegas to, to beat Colorado State. But the fact that they held down a Colorado State offense that has been putting up some numbers, albeit sometimes they throw you the ball too, mm. sort of uh, is indicative of Barry Odom's DNA and what he's done as an assistant coach uh, Missouri, Arkansas, different places that he's been in terms of implementing the defense. They've got, they've got a really good defense, but I think this is this is where it ends. I'm tempted to take the points, not the season ends, but in terms of the one loss and unbeaten in Mountain West play. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go with Fresno State home, okay. a little bit better offense. I'm going to go with uh, with the Bulldogs to to get it done in the Valley with the green V on the back of the headgears, and say the Fresno State covers that barely but Vegas will make them work for it and Odom's Odom deserves coach of the year consideration or at least a half year coach of the year for what uh, the improvement that he's been able to to execute in uh in Vegas yeah it's a different that's a different scene late night in Fresno oh yeah <laughs> it'll get weird no tough, doubt tough place to play <laughs> for sure so um you know I don't know where I'm going for the super dog but the man who gets in his super dog first every week earliest, oftentimes on Monday, took the one already that I was planning to go with on Saturday. Lee Corso has already snagged a super dog off the board that um, that I was going okay. with. Home dog getting double digit points. And now I've got to find some other place to go. How did you let's see? You so you you lost your super Zero. dog on the half point, right? Yep. Yeah. I got a uh, I I whipped Eastern Michigan home for the cover. Thought they had a chance to I know. win. They were and leading that the, game, right? Yeah, yeah, they were. Irving so. got on the board. Yeah, he did. That was. Uh, I tell you what, we don't. His family often says we don't root, but I got to tell you, I really didn't need UCF to win as a twenty-point <laughs> underdog or whatever they were, and for Herbie yeah, to all would've... of a sudden jump up to a twenty-five on the board. Yeah, exactly. I guess we get him off the zero and leave him at the five. It's yeah. okay. Just leave him down there. Yeah. So, so there you go. All right, Steve. 
always a pleasure, man. We'll see how we do. Pete's picks will be sent in to uh, Taylor and Sarah. They will make sure that there's no malfeasance going on. There's been no spying on our picks to try to pick against them or anything of that sort. And we'll have Pete's record coming up next week. Thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of this extravaganza. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your college football weekend.